a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. This is Mana. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Mana podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. I'm your host, Jeff Peterson. Now, none of the guys uh, that you're going to meet on this podcast would consider themselves to be extraordinary, but it's their humble, holy way of living. That's exactly what makes them extra to me, and I am excited for you to meet them. Now, uh, as listeners of MANA know, although these many years, uh, I am the furthest from a biblical scholar, so I can't defend what I'm about to say here with any kind of like, you know, smart sounding analysis or basis of proof. But I have come to the recent conclusion that Philippians, okay, is my favorite book of the Bible. Uh, it used to be James. Uh, and then before that, I was on a, a little Ecclesiastes uh, tear. But uh, for the last few months, I've been on this Philippians vibe. Uh, and it's because of the, the words uh, like literally the type of words that the Apostle Paul uh, used uh, when he was writing uh, to the saints in Philippi uh, while he was in jail uh, in Rome. Uh, and they're words like these uh, that also serve as a perfect introduction to today's guest. All right, so here we go. Just re- really quickly here from chapter 4, uh, and everyone's heard this. Uh, when he wrote, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Ah, it's just so great. Now, all of those words could be used to describe today's guest, but there's one word in that string of words that truly embodies not only our guest's character, but also his quest, okay? Now, our, 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 our guest is noble, okay, as a character-charged guy who, from his formative years at, and I say this begrudgingly, St. John's University, uh, uh, through an, uh, and then through an adult out of service at uh, Myriad Community Endeavors, uh, has always been guided by a very strong moral compass, uh, but that's not the word, okay? Uh, he's admirable, okay, as a very successful business leader who quickly in his career, kind of leapfrogged more age-appropriate roles for senior leadership and executive positions at publicly traded and venture-backed companies alike. Uh, But admirable's not the word either. Um, And as a derivation of the word lovely, although I don't know if anyone's ever called him lovely, uh, he's both loved and loving as a devoted husband, very proud father, rightly so, a brother, a son, and a friend. Uh, But lovely isn't the word either. The word I'm thinking of and associating with our guest that Paul wrote low those many years ago is excellent, okay? Paul says, if anything is excellent, think about such things. And today's guest embodies not only the thinking, but the pursuit and the application of excellence in everything he does. Excellent business performance, yeah, but more importantly, excellence in the way he leads businesses. Uh, Excellent friendships uh, that don't come by accident, but instead come from excellent listening and excellent loyalty. Um, Excellence in family, uh, which doesn't mean perfection in family, uh, but instead the excellent uh, intentionality of, of maintaining the highest standards and actions of unconditional love and sacrifice and guidance 
um, along with a healthy dose of Holy Spirit-infused humility, you know, uh, no matter the matter, personal, professional, individual, or relational, uh, friends or family, today's guest phones nothing in, okay? Everything he does uh, uh, represents an opportunity to be done not just well, but excellently. Uh, and those lucky enough to be in his orbit, like me, are simultaneously grateful, okay, for the example that he sets and just a little bit intimidated uh, by the effort. So get ready for a masterclass today in the pursuit of excellence by welcoming today's Mana Man, Mr. Chad Baker. Hey, Chad. Hey, Jeff. How are you? Great. Thank you for uh, thank you for being here. This is a little this is a morning uh, Mana uh, uh, session here. We, we typically do these later in the afternoon or evening, so it's kind of nice to get up bright and early and 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 talk uh, talk to Chad Baker. So thanks again for doing this. Man, when I think about uh, what you talked about from ordinary to extraordinary, boy, do I fall on the short end of that continuum. <laughs> Well, actually, and, and apropos of the introduction, you know, from the time I met you, Chad, and the longer I've gotten to know you over these years, you seem to have come out of the womb, okay, with a high bar. As I said, you don't phone anything in. So how, how far back does that high bar go? You know, is, is that for as long as you can remember? I think it is. I think, it, you know, it probably roots back certainly to my parents, but I think back to when I was, you know, a, a in my wonder years between six and 10 years old, and maybe even into my junior high years, you know, just kind of witnessing my grandfather on my mom's side. Uh, you know, he had a, a little business that he started after World War II, and he grew it into a, a nice business over time. And it was the way I think he, you know, shared his time and his energy with his people and motivated them. That was, you know, really driving for me. I mean, I remember he had customers where he, at the end of a year, there were rebate checks that you provided back for, you know, buying a certain amount of products from him. And, and I remember him telling stories of, you know, going, getting in his car and driving to every one of his customers at the end of every calendar year and handing them that check mm. from his hand to theirs. And I think that was a, that was a, a sign of loyalty that he would be, you know, part of their lives for many years to come. And it was all, it was also a, a bit of gratitude to say, thank you for, relying on, on me and our team. And I think that's, that was probably my first foundational block that I can really recall. That's cool. That's very cool. You know, there's that, um, uh, since I've been dropping, uh, Bible verses here to start with, but, you know, there's another, you know, from Luke, you know, uh, to whom much is given, much is expected. You know, a lot of people hear that and, and they don't realize that it actually came from the Bible. How much of, how, how, how prominent was, and, or the, and the linkage between these gifts that you'd been blessed with these, these role models that were around you, how much of the connection was, was based then back to this sort of like faith, like, like the, like the exercise, the, the exercising of this, of these gifts, the pursuit of this excellence is actually kind of like connected, you know, as, as, as gifts from God. Well, you know, I've been embedded in a Catholic family, deeply devoted for my entire life. My dad's still an usher uh, at church. And so I think it's been just rooted in our family. I think we're, you know, I usually view myself as, you know, more Catholic light, to be honest with you. Um, We're rooted in the Christian faith. Um, My family, you know, leads their life from from inside. And I think we've, you know, we've kind of adopted the, you know, the servant leadership mindset to put others before yourself. And I think that's been part of my, 
my fabric and my growth for dating back, you know, probably into my college years. I think I started to find it really um, late in high school. And then certainly as, as I started to spend time at St. John's on that campus, but also, you know, watching my children grow up and they've been in parochial schools as well. And I think ultimately we just kind of embedded our entire family into the thought of putting others first before ourselves and then leading our life from that, from that cloak. And I think that's worked very well for us to kind of make sure that we don't, you know, think too much about ourselves and we make sure that we're making an impact on the people around us and that we're rising and raising them up and giving them an opportunity to find energy and excitement and everything they do so that they can make their lives a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how about, you know, mentioned in the intro, just your very successful business, you know, career and, and you've led, you know, you've led at so many different levels and, 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 and so well, how, um, as you rose through the ranks, how conscious were you and are you of how much, your that servant leadership is kind of like frontal lobe for you, you know, as you're as you're meeting new teams and 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 charting new courses. Or do you feel like it's just natural, you know, like is it part of just your DNA now, and it's just who you are, or or or, or do you is there intentionality uh, with it for you when you, especially when you kind of enter into a new organization? Yeah, you know, I think the one thing I learned early on in my first three or four years. And, and when I found, found my way into a leadership position was sitting in um, what we call a P&L meeting or a finance meeting on a monthly basis. And, and uh, the, the leader of the business at the time said, hey, do you want to step up onto this leadership team? And I said, I, I really do. And he said, well, why? And, and I, I said, well, because, you know, for the last seven years of my career, you know, I've really been implementing the strategies that the leadership team has put in front of us. And so I've been an implementer and I really wanted a seat at the table to be part of driving strategy and deciding the direction of the organization, make sure we were making the best decisions for the company, not only for today, but also for the next 20 years. And, you know, one of the things I found when I sat in those boardrooms was that many of the leaders spent a disproportionate amount of their time, you know, you've heard the theme managing to the red, right? Mm -hmm. You know, what are we doing poorly? What are we losing money on? What are we struggling with? Why are we doing this? Should we do something different with that business? And I always thought to myself, think about if you have a hundred people on your team and you dedicate 35 of those, those teammates to trying to figure out what we're doing with that ancillary piece of business that's failing and the resource drag and the time it takes and the demotivational energy that's driven by attacking the red. Think if I could take those 35 teammates and have them attack what we're doing well. Mm -hmm. And I've kind of established a mantra everywhere I've gone that, you know, I manage the black guys. What do we do better than anybody else does? What's our competitive advantage and how do we lean in and do more of it so we can protect that and grow it? And ultimately what it lands, where it lands you is that, it's typically your, your, the larger portion of your business. It typically has the biggest inertia behind it, either positively or negatively. But if you can move that business forward, the impact of that can be profound. And you think about the culture you build inside your organization. You have all 100 employees focusing on growing what we're really good at and what we do well and the positivity that drives all the way through the organization. I think from an early leadership role, in my career, that was the kind of the first thing that I started to do, and I've carried it with me um, everywhere I've gone. 
I love that. I haven't heard that, but I love that managing to the black. That's so, that's so true. Well, and it acknowledges that just like humans, you know, businesses are all built with strengths, you know, like every, everybody, everybody, every organization uh, does some things really, really well. And if everybody just focuses on what they really do well, <laughs> like, right. We're, yeah, all right, you know, um, you know, you, you mentioned culture and I do think uh, over the last, you know, whatever, 20, 30 years, uh, work culture has changed so much, not just, you know, environmentally, you know, with remote work, all that kind of stuff, but just the, the notion of the individual and, and the, you know, bringing your whole self to work. How have you found, um, how is that, uh, how, how have you seen that as, as a leader, you know, and, and, and a leader across a lot of different sectors, you know, uh, you know, you haven't, that's not like you spend your whole, you know, career and, and package of goods. I mean, you've, you've, you've worked in a variety of different sectors, a, a lot of different sort of labor sort of, you know, pools, if you will. How have you seen this, this sort of like bringing one's whole self to work kind of manifest uh, kind of over the years? And boy, that's a, that's a tough question to answer just in the last three years. And I don't, I don't want to use this conversation to have the conversation you've had many times about what do you do through COVID and what did, how did you manage your way through that? Because I think there's a lot of people that are smarter than me that could talk deeply about that. But it's certainly worth noting that it's just, there's been a tremendous transition. You know, if you think about, you know, everybody says that every generation is different, right? <laughs> Your generation is so much worse than our generation. And we worked harder than you guys work and you don't care like we used to care. And I think every generation has that same kind of thought around how, you know, the next generation isn't performing at the level that the prior did. But I would say that inside of the organizations, I mean, we, we have this opportunity to have our teammates feel like they they're coming to work with a purpose. And, you know, our purpose today in my current organization is we want to make tomorrow a little bit better than today. And we want to do that with our teammates and we want to do it within our communities. Um, and I think that the entire organization can really rally around that. They know what that means and they know how they can incrementally improve the world around us. And I think as far as bringing your whole self to the office, to work every day, I think it's knowing your why. And I, again, it's a little cliche, but I think it's really important. I've spent so much more time in the last three years going through this pandemic, thinking about the why, the why for the industry we're in, why for the categories we're in, why for the business we're in, why for the different businesses within our business that we're going after, and why it makes makes sense to each of the teammates on our team. And I think it's a it's an evolution. I don't think that there's an answer to this is how we do it and this is how you always do it. I think you have to be adaptable to your environment. You know, I've worked in cultures, you know, private equity that are tough, right? You're driving cost out building up the business and then you're trying to do something different with it and i've worked in publicly traded companies where every quarter is a heart attack right trying to make sure that you deliver that number every single day and and i'm currently working in a family-based privately held company and you know how your teammates come to work is different in all of those environments but the constant is that they want to know that they can make a difference and yeah. it's important it's super important that you communicate it we just went through a great places to work survey. And we are great places to work in the company I'm at today. And we're really, really proud of that. But is it, what's interesting is we had, you know, 750 people take this survey. And at the end of the survey, it says, is there anything else you want to add? And we had 242 
different comments for people. You know, a lot of times you get to the end of the survey, you say, I'm tired, yeah, done, right. yeah. you know, yeah. but we got 200, we had 242 uh, teammates that left a comment. And I'll tell you what, it's kind of scary, right? <laughs> Think yeah. about what could they possibly say? And I want to, you know, but I was so intrigued and so interested. And when I read through those, you know, always one theme is they want to make more money. That's, that is always going to be a, a commonality there for sure. And I totally understand that. But what kept coming back in those individual comments were, how can I contribute? Help me know more. Continue to communicate to us better. Make sure we understand when you made this change in the organization, how we can impact that change, how we can ladder up to the vision of the organization. And I think when you, when you have that continuity, that alignment between where the business is, sees itself from a mission, vision, value standpoint, and our employees throughout the entire organization can lean in, ladder up, and understand their why and how they make a difference to achieve that, that's when your whole self shows up to work every day. Yeah, yeah. well, and as a leader, too, I would imagine, I mean, it requires um, a level of, and maybe now, you know, as a seasoned leader, you've got less of this uh, trepidation, but what did that feel like early on in your career when when you did recognize this this power of, of, of helping every individual, every employee find their why and their purpose? Um, because I mean, that had to be a little bit scary because you're like, okay, I don't know what, I'm, I don't know what we're going to find out here. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. what, you know, it, it's a lot, it's a lot, you're, it's a little more vulnerable as a, as a leader. And even today, as, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm currently in a leadership round t- table, which is a servant leadership, uh, Christian faith driven round table with like-minded folks in the room and some that aren't like-minded by the way. And, uh, you know, we have an opportunity to kind of live and learn together with all the, all the trials and tribulations of our careers, our families. There's a lot of discussion about family. And then it also ladders up to how do we have, you know, how do we develop and maintain high performing, you know, businesses. And that's, you know, that's, that's certainly a component of what we're trying to accomplish here. And I think, you know, the servant leadership model uh, inside of my current organization is probably six or seven years deep. Um, it's at us, it was at a surface level, but it was in there. And when you look at, you know, you can see in these, this great places to work survey that we, that we achieved is, you know, the culture inside the building is absolutely fantastic. It's, it's, yeah. it is, it is really the best of the, the best. And I'm so lucky and honored and proud to now be a part of it. And, you know, my goal with kind of reintroducing servant leadership and developing a faith driven organization is to continue to elevate and hear the teammates that are on our team today and giving them opportunities to help grow professionally, but more, more interested in their, in their personal growth and their family growth, because that's where it starts. It starts with them. It starts with their spouses. It starts with their children. It starts at home. And if we can help nurture that, I think it puts us in a position where we have a, a, a series of teammates that are going to be here. We don't, we don't retire anybody. We, our theme is we graduate. You graduate from our company at the end of your time with us. So nobody, nobody retires, they graduate. And so we know that this is just a step in their life. It's a step in their journey and that there's, you know, you could leave here when you're 65 years old, whatever your retirement choice is, and you've got another 20 or 30 years of life in front of you. Right. And uh, mm-hmm. we want to make sure that we're help prepare, helping them prepare for not only their time here with our company, but also uh, for the next stage in, in their lives. And so I think it's really it's it's fun to watch. It's fun to see. And we have we were just uh, I was lucky to have a customer in town yesterday 
And at the end of the meeting, they, I, I had to leave to go to another meeting. And the, the, the person who was leading that team got up and said, can I walk out with you? And I said, oh, absolutely. I'm, I mean, I'm just so excited this, this gentleman wants to talk to me at all because we're trying to really develop our business with him. But he, but he stood up and said, hey, can I walk out with you? And we did. And he got out in the hallway and he said, you know, I just want to say, A, thank you for your leadership team showing up to this meeting and staying for the whole meeting. And so that's leading by example, right? And then I want you to know that I can't think of a single time, and I see a lot of vendors, Chad, I can't think of a single time where I felt the love in the room like I do with, with the company you're at today. Okay. And I tell you, that was, uh, you know, that was meaningful, it was heartfelt, it kind of got me almost to tears, yeah. almost does now when I talk about it. But it's just that recognition that we're, we're doing the right things and it's translating into happiness and bright eyes and smiles. Yeah. Um, I'm currently every, every right now. I'm in a 35-day reminder from the leadership roundtable of something you should do today that will make the difference in somebody else's life, not yours. And um, you know, we had one just the other day that came up, and it was you know, go tell your children how much they mean to you and give them an example of your life when you were you were their age. And uh, I had one where you know we had we were celebrating our 30th anniversary for for the brand of our corporation and and uh and i graduated from college in 1993 so exactly 30 years ago mm -hmm. and uh and so i dressed up looking like i was from 1993 and it was easy for it was easy for me to do because i was i graduated that year so what did i wear i sadly i was trader for a day i wore a brett Favre number four jersey because that was kind of his first major season right yeah. um and i'm a viking fan for everybody who's listening and uh and then I wore my ripped, torn jeans, a pair of Birkenstocks, and a pair of, <laughs> a, a pair of uh, aviators, Ray-Ban aviator glasses. And I just laughed at myself because I was thinking about my senior in college right now. And I texted her right away and I took a picture of myself. She, I said, look familiar. You guys are still wearing all the same clothes today that I was 30 years ago. And it just gave me a chance to connect with her. And I probably wouldn't have done it if I didn't get that reminder from the leadership round table and say, hey, take a minute, recognize one of your children and tell them a story as to why why they matter and how they make a difference. And I just sent her a note and then we ended up picking up the phone at lunch and had a conversation and we just talked about how proud of her I was and how great she's doing. That's so great. And that is such a great example too. It like none of this happens by accident, you know? I mean, this is this pursuit of excellence of in family and friends and business. It's just, it's so... I love it. I love the story. I love the visual. You got to send me a picture of that because that's, uh, <laughs> uh, that's going on the fridge. So that's great. Well, hey, we are, um, <clears throat> we could talk all morning here, um, but we've got stuff to do, uh, including getting to the fun segment of the big show. Uh, the same three questions we ask every guest to wrap things up here. So uh, let's get to it. Fun segment question number one, if Jesus knocked on your door, tomorrow morning, which happens to be a weekend. So you have a nice Saturday morning. Uh, and, uh, he just wants to hang out with you. Okay. You can do anything you want, uh, with Jesus. How are you going to spend your day with Jesus? Well, since I haven't got these three questions, I should have looked at them. Um, I tell you, I, I, t I should have listened to them. Um, so I, you know, for me, I think I would, I would spend a day of reflection and, and asking him, what has he seen in my life in the, in the way I've conducted myself um, in front of my friends and family, my children, my wife, 
Um, and how, how, what does he witness from the way I've approached uh, my life and my own humility? And where is there in his mind uh, opportunity for improvement and give him a chance to give me a guiding light to where I can be a better person and make a better impact on people and communities um, for the next 30, 40 years of my life. Yeah, that's great. And then go to the Gopher game, like take him there. And then 2.30 tomorrow at the Gopher game. Exactly, right. <laughs> exactly. And then, then be like there. All right, fun segment question number two. If you could go to church, okay, with any other guy, living or dead, famous or not, uh, you can know this person or not. You could have just been admiring this man from afar, but the only two rules are you got to go to church and you are going to bring this other man with you. Who are you going to church with? There's only one person, my dad. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's my role model relative to Christian faith and um, he's deeply rooted in, in the Catholic uh, religion and I trust him and I trust his guidance and there's no, no person else I'd rather be kneeling next to in the pew. I love that. All right. Fun segment question number three. Uh, if you could give one, just one uh, piece of advice to a younger man. Okay. Think of like that kind of middle school age, you know, kind of young guy is coming through, coming up. Um, just about, you know, advice about just living a, a, a confident, morally form, formed um, kind of life of faith, you know, humble, holy life of faith, uh, like you do, um, what would that one piece of advice be? Be kind and assume good intent. Assume that, that people are good and that their intentions are great and not cons- can, you know, consider the negative when you're approaching and meeting new people in your journey, because generally we're all rooted in a great place and we all have a, a great place that we intend to land at some point in our journey. And um, just remember that we're all in the struggle together and life's not easy for any of us, no more for you or for them, but just assume every day that they're, they're trying to do the right thing and, and help them in that journey. That's great. Well, that's, that's good advice for all of us here. So, uh, Chad Baker, thank you so much uh, for taking a little bit of time this morning to uh, to let us hear what excellence and the pursuit of excellence sounds like. Um, really appreciate uh, myself personally uh, being able to get to know you a little bit better over these last few years and look forward to many more years ahead. So thanks again. You're a good friend, Jeffrey. Thank you. Thank you for listening to MANA. If you have any questions or recommendations for future guests, send them to manapodcast at gmail.com.